you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me over to the book of Genesis. This was part of yesterday's morning staff meeting, and I, God's given me way, way more. The responsibility is still yours. Uh, we know the story of Cain and Abel. We know that. But before we get to Cain and Abel, I want to go back a little bit, because I want to connect the dots. I just want us to look at Scripture. I want us to see what's going on here and I want us to see where maybe things fell apart. I'm always, it's interesting to know that, you know, Adam and Eve lived on the earth for quite some time after walking with God in the cool of the day. So can you imagine the conversations that mom and daddy must have had with Cain and Abel growing up? I mean, think about it. They got to see God. They got to walk in they got to be there in his very presence period they got to experience all the good times remember all the good times because again the bible does not tell us how long they were in the garden before they fell okay we don't know the time line of genesis 1 2 before we get to chapter 3 we don't have a clue we're just we don't we don't even want to assume how long it was we do have some insight, though, because if you look over in Genesis chapter 4, I think it's verse 3, the Bible says that Adam was how old when Seth was born? 130. So Adam was 130 when Seth was born. Interesting. We don't know how old he was when Cain and Abel was born, but we do know how old he is when... Uh, when chapter 5, chapter 5, when Adam had lived 100, verse 3, 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness according to his image and named him Seth. But we know by reading chapter 4 that Seth came along only after, sometime after, a distance after, we don't know how long after Cain and Abel debacle issue situation so so many different things when I say the responsibility is yours there's so many different angles we could go with we could go with Casey's angle Casey this morning woke up and for some reason he posted on his Instagram train up a child in the way he should go when he's old no it ain't you did Deuteronomy 6 Deuteronomy 6 all right it's our words to when we walk in our house when we walk by the way and when we rise up and when we lie down to diligently teach the word of God to our children you know we're to do that I wonder how much diligent training Adam and Eve had with Cain and Abel you say well why does that matter because they should have learned a lesson right they, if anybody should have learned a lesson, it should have been Adam and Eve's kids. Because I use a word and they joke and they laugh at me a lot, intentional or unintentional. People are unintentionally, whether we're intentionally teaching others or we're unintentionally teaching others, we're pouring truth into the lives of people around us. The question that each one of us has to ask is what is our life teaching others? What's our lives teaching our children? What is how we carry ourselves teaching our children? And what's our words teaching our children? 
you know, you could stop right here and take the rest of where I know we're going with this or one little rabbit we could take with this. The responsibility is still yours. You know, at the end of the day, Adam and Eve should have looked at uh, Cain and Abel and should have set those boys down in a corner and said, Hey, guys, God's serious. When, when God says don't do something, He really means don't do it. I wonder, did Adam and Eve ever have that conversation with their sons? Could have probably, could have possibly changed the outcome of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis that we'll read in just a little. You know, responsibility is still yours. The responsibility is still ours as parents, yes, to live in front of our kids in such a way, but also to verbalize so many Let's just, let's, just go as, let's just go unspiritual for a second. So many people just have to assume mom and daddy loves them. I assume they love me. They never tell me. They give me things. They send me places. Gas is always in the car. Plenty of food. Weekends, I got all the money I need. I get to bring my friends over. We get to go on trips. I get to go and come as I please. So I guess they love me, but I don't hear it. See how important words are? You know, I don't know where you were. I don't know how you grew up. I was in a family. They said, I love you. Mama told me she loved me. Daddy told me she loved me. It was a word. I heard. I heard the words. Hearing the words matter. I didn't have to assume it. I saw it, and I also heard it. Some of you. Now, I'm just, taking the, I'm just taking the secular concept of love, and I'm applying it. But some of you, I get, I understand. And it may be why we are the way we are today, but we didn't really hear it. But what did we as parents, what did we as grandparents learn from that truth? Are we verbalizing those words? Just the simple, I love you. Hey, it don't matter what the world says about you, I love you. It don't matter what the world says to you, daddy loves you. Mama loves you. Your group at, at, at school, your group at work, your group wherever you are may think you're crazy. But your grandpa loves you. Your granny loves you, boy. That matters. That does something. But we assume they're getting it. The danger is assuming they're getting it. The responsibility is still ours to tell them. All right, take it on over. We, let's bounce off of a very soft, easy. Everybody wants to now go get their kids and grandkids and just hold them and say, I love you. I, many years ago, was hit with the reality by one of ours in church. Ten minutes ago, I said, prayer for the lost. And you had lots of names. And God put that name in your heart. God laid that person, that human being, that soul on your spirit, and you call them out. And, and this was the convicting truth that this individual confronted me and others with. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is laying a lost person on your heart and telling you to pray for them, don't you think you should tell them about Jesus? The responsibility is still ours, too. Let that sink in. I pray for me for I pray for you from afar for your salvation. 
but I never tell you about Jesus. Guys, it's a huge responsibility. Huge responsibility. You say, well, what will Adam and Eve know? Look at uh, Genesis chapter 3. Here's what, here's one principle, here's one truth that they should have been able to tell uh, Cain and Abel. They should have set the boys down around the supper table somewhere between Adam's 130 years. That just hit me right then today. Y'all just watched me have a new learning lesson. I've always said we don't have a clue. Yeah, we do. The Bible says he was 130 when Seth was born and Cain and Abel was before that. Y'all just watch me learn something. It's cool. I learn stuff all the time. And y'all see it happen. You're learning that, aren't you? Yeah. Look at verse 8. Genesis 3, 8. We know Genesis 3, 1 through 7. They've fallen. They've sinned. They've taken. They've rebelled against God. Because you go back up at verse 25 of chapter, the end of chapter 2. It says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were innocent, but when sin entered the picture, all innocence was lost. And Jesus and, and God comes walking in the cool of the day in verse 8. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God, the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why did they hid? Because they were ashamed. What brought shame? Sin. What brought shame, disobedience? What brought the guilt, rebellion? Him who knows the right thing to do, just do the right thing. To him who does the right, knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is sin. Don't touch, don't do, don't, don't hit, don't, don't do that. You're okay. But when you do it, there's consequences. consequences verse 9 then the Lord God called a man and said to him where are you do you honestly think the sovereign God of this universe was had lost Adam his prized creation I've had people say see there God don't know everything he couldn't find Adam in the woods are you kidding me are you serious it wasn't he couldn't find Adam he just needed Adam to stand up and say hey it's me that messed up Lord, I did it. That's called repentance. Hey, God, it's me right here. I messed up. I did it. Sorry. That's what he's still wanting. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Shame. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? <sighs> then it starts. The man said, the man said, put it back up there, Ty. The responsibility is whose? Yours. The man said, that woman did it. You ever done that? It's her fault. It's her fault. We know the rest of the story. The man said it's her fault. The woman said it's the snake's fault. The snake just sat there like, you got me. The blame game. When did Adam and Eve ever set them boys down at any point and say, listen guys, you're responsible for your decisions, for your choices. 
You can hide from Him. You can run from Him. You can do whatever you think, but you are going to be held accountable for the choices you make. And you can't blame that woman you gave me. And that snake that made me do it. You never Have you ever said, I, you hear kids say it all the time, devil made me do it. They got sugar and Doritos. Remember the, 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 the Super Bowl commercial? They got cheese all over their fingers and all over their face. And they're like, I didn't do it. Guys, our responsibility is yes to tell. But it's also our responsibility as, a, as mature believers. I'm not a good preacher. But I see principles. The Holy Spirit gives me principles that are easily applied in daily life. And the blame game doesn't work when we're standing before a sovereign God. As the guilty ones that climb out from behind the trees and stand up and say, It's me, God. I did it. That's repentance. That's confession. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us and, and take it all away. So many people run, so many people run, so many people run, so many deny, so many point to others, so many blame, so many rationalize, so many, so many do all those other things except simply stop and be still in the face of a God who's caught you red-handed and just surrender. Stop running. We know it. Who told you, verse 12, the man said, The woman who you gave to me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, who is, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. It's a blame game. He said, she said, If they hadn't have, I wouldn't have. I wonder, did Adam and Eve ever set those boys down and say, Guys, look. You're responsible for your decisions. You're responsible for your choices. You're responsible for what you're about to do. Turn over chapter 4. Boys are born. We know the outcome. We know the, we know the judgments are passed down. God, God passes judgments. On Adam, he passes judgment on Eve, he passes judgment on the serpent, he kicks them out of the garden, he puts the flaming swords with the angels and says you can't ever come back, he has relations with Eve and she bears a son, and that's where we pick up, verse 3, chapter 4, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of their fat portions. And part B of verse 4, we don't know the rest of the story, we don't know behind the scenes, but somewhere in the course of time between creation and now, God somehow told them that I like one better than the other. A grain offering versus a, versus a fat offering, a dead animal versus some grain from your field, God showed interest in one and did not show interest in the other. I do not know. We do not know. But 
Genesis 4.4b says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So here's the kicker. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. This is really where tonight was going. We're still responsible for our choices. We're still responsible for our decisions. And all of them are not easy. All of them are not easy because choices are, choices are regularly made. Choices are not just where I'm going to live and where I'm gonna, what's my job going to be and who am I going to marry and what am I going to drive. Choices are not always just those big choices. Choices are all the time. Am I going to be happy or am I going to be sad? Am I going to put a smile on my face or am I going to put a frown on my face? Am I going to say, woe is me? Or am I going to say, hey? The choice is ours. Because Scripture says his countenance fell. There's a direct connection to face. His countenance has fallen. And look at what God says. Verse 7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door and it's desirous for you, but you must master it. You would think anybody in this entire book who should have a leg up on this one should be Cain and Abel. Why? Because mom and daddy had done been through this before. Listen, God told me not to eat from it, and we messed up big time, and we made a mistake, and our life, and the world's life, and everybody else's life is so messed up because of it. Boys, we don't want to go down that path. And here comes the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And that same enemy... That same enemy who does not stop. That same enemy was who was deceiving in the very beginning. And who deceived their offspring. And as you read chapter after chapter after chapter. He is steadily deceiving. He is deceiving God's children. He is deceiving the kings. He's deceiving the judges. He's deceiving everybody. You say, well I don't have a problem with him. Well I know Jesus right after his baptism was led by the spirit into the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights he was tempted by that very same deceiver I'm not better than Jesus so I got the same tempter who's coming at me every single day and not just on where I'm going to eat lunch but all through the day how am I going to act how am I going to respond how am I going to live how am I going to act this the, the deceiver, the enemy is crouching at your door. And you know what? I cannot, I cannot blame Casey. I cannot blame Wendy. I cannot blame my children. I can't blame mom and daddy. I can't blame deacons. I can't blame you guys. I can't blame nobody. It's me that messed up. You know, I... Remember back last chapter when Daddy Adam come climbing out of the woods in the bush and he says, Hey God, it's me. 
That would have been a pretty interesting, important, necessary lesson to teach Cain right about now. You got me, God. You got me. Because I got anger in my heart. I got bitterness in my heart. You know, you like his offering better than you like mine. I don't get it. I probably should have listened to that lesson too. I should have probably quit skimping and been serious about what I was giving to you. But instead, what does he do? He starts the same rationalizing. He starts the same blaming. He starts the same thing. If you do well, will you not... Will your countenance not be lifted up? Verse 8, Cain told, Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Many, 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 many years ago, I had a person shock the fire out of me. I think it was my very first church. It was one of my very first Sundays. And we had... After church, a deacon and his wife invited Wendy and I out to lunch. We're sitting around the lunch table at a restaurant, simple restaurant, chain restaurant. You remember what I'm doing? You remember that story? You don't know where I'm going, do you? And we're having a conversation and we're talking about we're talking about temptation and we're talking about falling and we're talking about how real and how how it is, you got to remember, I'm just, I'm, I'm relatively, I'm pretty young. And this deacon's wife looked over at me and said, you know what? And I mean, I, we're on a Wednesday night and you're the big kids, so you can handle this. She said, you know what? Me and you could have an affair. And that hit me. And it was heavy. And it made me think, you know what? There's none of us immune to this. There's none of us too big for this. There's none of us who, it don't matter if you're in ministry. It don't matter if you memorize this whole book. It don't matter if you're walking close to the Lord. It don't matter if you're trying. But you know, every single one of us in this room has a bullseye on our lives. And that enemy is coming with everything he's got. Sin is crouching at your door. He wants to devour you. Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Those are not pretty words. Those are not gentle words. Those aren't, hey, come, let me hold you down. Let me, let me just kind of hold you back a little. No, it is a devastating destruction. It's a ministry killer. It's a marriage killer. It's a home killer. It's a, it's a human killer. It happens right here. You'd think Cain and Abel would have, pulled, would have been pulled over by mom and daddy at some point in time and said, Look, the consequences of sin are dire. The consequences, this enemy, this serpent, this, this rebellious Thing is not going to stop. He will destroy you. Don't play with it. Don't go there. Don't, don't let it get you. But guys, 
We could pull our four, and they could pull their two, and you could pull every single one of yours back to the kitchen table, and you could set them down, and you could say, hey guys, we got to have a talk. And you could sit there and teach them, and you could sit there and throw out to them how, the, how, how deep the holes can be, how muddy life is, how bloody life is, how real life is, but at the end of the day, my four are going to have to wake up every single day of their lives and walk out into that same war that we walk out into against that same roaring lion who is, who is hiding behind every door, behind every decision, and he wants one thing. To destroy them just like he wants to destroy me. Just like he wanted to destroy Cain. Just like he wants to destroy every single person on the face of this earth. But just like with Adam and Eve, the same as with Cain. But you got to master it. you got to master it. It's desirous for you. But you, in your race, in your journey, in your path, in your walk, you, because it looks different for you than it looks for me, and it looks different for him than it looks for her, you just got to man up and woman up, and in the Spirit of God, by the power of the spells in you, you just got to master it. Because it don't stop. He's coming back. And it's, it's relentless. We can't blame nobody. You can't say that woman you gave me did it. That serpent, the devil, made me do it. No. God literally for us today verbalizes. He verbalizes what I guess mom and daddy never did for Cain and Abel. God verbalizes it right here. He says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. The responsibility is still yours. Let him who think he stand take heed lest he fall. Guys, there ain't a marriage in this room that Satan doesn't want to destroy. There ain't a walk in this room that Satan does not want to derail. There ain't a Sunday school teacher. There ain't a grandparent. There ain't a son or a daughter. There is not one of you that he does not want to just get all up in your world and mess you up so much that, that everything is just destroyed. And you know what he does? He's off to the next one, but he'll come back. What's the Bible says? The Bible says he left Satan. He left Jesus. Satan left Jesus until another opportune time. I'll be back. But you've got to master it. We can't play the blame game. It's not her fault. It's not his fault. It's me. It's me. I can't blame her, I can't blame you, I can't blame them, I can't blame anybody, it's me. 
It's my responsibility. I, I wake up, you wake up every single day of our lives, and we go into battle. We're not alone. We got all the armor. It's there. We got all of it. We're, we're hiding the word. That word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I'm trusting in the Lord with all my heart that I might not sin against you, Lord. And I'm, I'm burying your word in my heart. And I'm, listen, I'm trying. Satan sees that. He sees that. And I, I promise you, he is not sitting on the sidelines cheering you on. The same people that threw palm branches down at one moment were screaming crucify the next moment. But the responsibility is ours. We don't go into the battle alone. The battle's the Lord's. The battle's the Lord's. But do not, Chapel Hill Baptist Church, underestimate the enemy. Do not underestimate the enemy. I'm not giving him props tonight. He's defeated. I'm not giving him credit. He's defeated. He has no power over you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's given you everything. You can do it in Christ. There's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You're not condemned. Satan says you're a loser. and God's like, no, you're not. You're a child of mine. You are my kid. You're an heir and a joint heir of the King of kings and Lord of lords, period. There's waiting for us a crown of righteousness. But the enemy don't stop. He's crouching at our door. But praise God, we're not alone in this. We need the church, we need the body, we need each other, we need accountability, we need brothers and sisters in Christ, we need, we need prayer warriors, we need godly men and godly women, we need that. We need that. We can't, we can't expect others to do what we're commissioned to do. We can't wait and assume they're doing the job when here we are, tag, we're it. Father God, you realize what you're dealing with here in us. God, we're weak. Our frame is but dust. But God, you saw fit to use us, Lord, through the foolishness of the message preached. A message that confounds the wise. God, to save souls. God, you've not left us on our own. You've given us your spirit who empowers us, who equips us, who has, who has given us everything we need. And Holy Spirit of God, you've given us prayer. You've given us boldness that we can stand together in unity and rebuke Satan and bind the strong man in the name of Jesus from from every home, from every, every marriage, 
from every one of our sons and daughters, our grandchildren, from every person, Lord, that, that calls this place their church home. Lord, we, we bind Satan, we rebuke him. Holy Spirit of God, put a hedge around this place so big. So big, Lord. Just like what Job had around him. That you had around him, Lord. We, we earnestly seek that. God, Holy Spirit of God, keep Satan away from us. We celebrate you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. You are worthy. You are good. You're glorious. You're, you are God. Satan, you have no, no future. You're defeated in Jesus' name. God, go with us in power. Go with us in strength. Please, Lord. Guide our steps. You told Cain there, but you must master it. And Lord, we are as humbly as we know how, saying in our, in our, in our humbleness, Lord, help us master it. We can't do this on our own. We can't live this life on our own. We can't fight the enemy on our own. We can't do anything on our own. It is only in you and through your power that we are anything, God. Lord, we humbly draw near to you. And you tell us in your word, if we draw near to you, the devil will flee from us. Jesus Christ, you are the Lord. You are the Son of the living God. And we praise you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Night, night, y'all.